Amen. Ties in perfectly with his sermon today, just a reminder that uh, the blood of Jesus is how we're saved. Songs were chosen for a reason, all hail the power of Jesus' name, and then we sang out loud that he is Lord, and now nothing but the blood of Jesus. There is no other name under heaven by which men can be saved except the name of Jesus. Philippians says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. I say that in light of the sermon today. The sermon today is a little heavy for Lent, I would say, but it is in the text of which we have been reading. If you haven't been reading along in the book of Mark, you know that we got to chapter 5 yesterday. And so there's a great deal right off the bat about the demonic world and the spirit world. And so uh, my text that I had to write the 3D devotional Wednesday dealt with it. Mark did a great job yesterday. I was anxious to see what Mark was going to write yesterday about that story about the demoniac in chapter 5, but we're going to talk about that. He opened up with this make a great horror movie on TV right now. So that's the one with the pigs and everything. We're going to come back to that. So the title of the sermon is Lord of Lords versus Lord of the Flies come back to that in a minute. Lord of Lords versus the Lord of the Flies. Because the first scripture, and if you hadn't been reading along, you can catch up. We're up to, to chapter 5, so you could read this afternoon, this evening, read through chapter 5, and you'll be right on track to continue to read each day the book of Mark. So we're going to preach from the book of Mark. This is what we got. This is a ministry. This is the way it began with Jesus. So here we go. Mark 3, verses 20 and 35. Then the multitude came together again so that they could not so much as eat bread. But when his own people heard about this, his own people, that is Jesus, they went out to lay hold of him. And they said, he's out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, he has Beelzebub. And by the ruler of the demons, he cast out demons. So they call him a name. They tell him the only reason you can cast out demons because you're the ruler of the demons yourself. You're Beelzebub. So then Jesus called them to himself and he said to them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided. He cannot stand, but has an end. And he said, no, no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. So that's some insight into what Jesus is doing. He's binding Satan, and then he will plunder his house. So surely I say to you, then he changes subjects, but he talks, sticks and talk about the Holy Spirit. So we're talking about the spirit world, the demonic and everything, and then he mentions the Holy Spirit. So he says something that gets our attention in verse 28. Assuredly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the sons of men, and whatever blasphemies they may utter, but he or she who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation. Because they said he has an unclean spirit. We're going to come back to this. Then listen to verse 31. Then his brothers and his mother came and they were standing outside and they, they sent to him calling him. And a multitude was sitting around and they said to him, look, your mother 
and your brother are outside seeking you. But he answered to them and he said, Who is my mother or my brothers? And he looked around in a circle at those who sat about him and he said, Here are my mother, here are my brothers. For whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and my mother. Just a side note, my wife is sitting here. She's my wife of 38 years, but she's also my sister in Christ. My daughter-in-law, Jamie, she is my, she's my sister in Christ. Even my dad, the other day I noticed, and he's done this before, he'll say, hey, brother, how you doing? Me and my daddy are brothers in Christ, and we're part of the family. Still my dad, earthly dad, but still within the circle of family, he's my brother in Christ. The gospel of Mark, if you hadn't noticed, is filled with a lot of action. Mark narrates with with detail and some vividness, and he kind of has a fast-moving style you've seen in the first few chapters. In this verses we just read, and I'm about to give you some more of what Mark read, we're given insight into the spirit world. The reality of Satan, unclean spirits and demons are mentioned throughout the Bible. The Bible is clear that while Satan is a defeated foe, he's not yet destroyed. But he will be. I wish God had gone ahead and destroyed him when he came down here, but he didn't. We're told, and Jesus said, you'll serve one of two masters. We know that the word tells us that Satan is a god of this world. He still is active. But we can read the book of Revelation. We know he will be destroyed. But in the meantime, we must contend with his existence. But we can and must put our trust in Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of all. I want to read to you Colossians, the first chapter. The sermon weirds you out. Then please just remember Colossians 1, 15 through 18. He is the image of the invisible God, is speaking of Jesus. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation. For by Jesus all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is above all things. Jesus is above all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. You don't see that word preeminence. We don't use it too often. It means superiority. It means surpassing all others. He's superior. He has preeminence over everything and anything that I might mention today. He has preeminence. He's Lord of all. Even the visible and the invisible. All was created through him, for him, by him. He's above all. He has preeminence. So so don't forget that if you hear anything else. Remember who is Lord of all. I'm going to share about five different things and talk about the spirit world. I've listed them A, B, C, D, and E. I want to open up with a statement by C.S. Lewis, which I strongly agree with. C.S. Lewis said this. He said there are two equal and opposite errors, two equal and opposite errors into which our human race can fall about the devils and demons. One is to disbelieve in their existence. I agree with that. I think that's dangerous. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive 
and an unhealthy interest in them. I agree with that also. So, do we need to be paranoid? No. Do we need to be informed and wise? Yes. We need to know what the scriptures say. So, Jesus' ministry, just after the Holy Spirit descended upon him and, and God said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, and all the, all the suddenly he's thrust into this world that we're in and this demonic activity that begins in chapter 1. So here's B. I want to go back and read a statement in Mark 1. So the first chapter that you read, you read in verse 23. It's kind of weird, but here it is. Mark 1, 23. Now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit. And he cried out saying, let us alone. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Notice they knew who he was. Let us alone. What have you to do with us, you Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him and said, be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him, he cried out with a loud voice and he came out of him. So again, they're having a conversation. They knew who he was. You see, the word tells us that even the, even the demons believe and they tremble. They already knew. They were a part of the spirit world. They knew he was the one who came to Nazareth. They knew that he was the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked them and told them to come out so we see who's Lord. Now in Mark 5, the one that Mark Condra wrote about yesterday in the devotion that he opened up with, great, great horror movie. And I'm going to tell you, I read this and I still got all kinds of questions. But it's the scene where the guy has the legions and many demons. The community don't know what to do with him, so they chain him up and put him in the cemetery. And the Bible says that he took rocks and he cut himself. You see people today, that we call them cutters. We see in the New Testament, here's the first cutter we have in the New Testament. He cut himself, gnashing himself, screaming out. And so Jesus shows up. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and he worshipped him, which is interesting. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. And they have this conversation. They ask to go in the pigs. And you can read this in Mark 5. 2,000 pigs either get spooked or get filled, but they end up running off a cliff and drowned into the sea. Now, if I'd have been there, I'd have thought, Man, this is strange. And by the way, this was not Jewish community with pigs there. This was a Gentile community. But I've always felt for the farmer, and Mark made reference to that too, you know, they just lost 2,000 pigs. I mean, there's 400 hams floating out there in the water. They run. What is this power? They're freaked out and they go tell everybody, come. And you remember the guy that was in the tombs in the cemetery? And then it tells us in verse 15, they came to see Jesus, and they saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had had the legion. He was sitting, and he was clothed in his right mind. Jesus showed up, and they were afraid. Why do the demons seem almost confused that Jesus is casting them out? I think part of it is because they have this conversation because they know he is, but where God and Jesus Really, I guess a better way to say it, just they, they just flabbergasted Satan by showing up on this earth 
in human form. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Our God became a human. Therefore, Jesus had authority on this earth. They were confused about that. Of course, we know that Jesus had to follow through. There had to be bloodshed that the choir just sang about. So Jesus had authority over them. Why is it that we do not see this demonstration of power sometimes? Now, don't make no mistake, this does happen sometimes. It's not that frequent. I won't say the 2,000 pigs. But you ask Tyler, who's been around the world in some places, the manifestation of the demonic oftentimes is, is more evident than it hears in the United States. Although it occurs here. You go to Haiti, when they had the uh, earthquake in Haiti, they talked about the demonic and spiritual activity was there in Haiti. They were open to that. But I think part of it is Satan can do a whole lot more harm behind the scenes than silence. causes all kinds of havoc behind the scenes in silence because he doesn't care what you believe as long as you don't believe Jesus. You believe anything you want to. And so in an educated society, we may dismiss these things, but the word never tells us that these things do not exist. See, do we then assume that everyone with a mental disorder has a demon or an unclean spirit? Absolutely not. Thank God. We've got psychiatrists and psychologists and neurologists that are here in our church, and I thank God for the strides within medicine that have been made to clarify and to identify many mental, chemical, and neurological disorders. Praise the Lord we have that. I'm thankful for my mama. I wouldn't want anybody to say, Paula Beck's got a demon. She's trimming her head, shaking. No, I thank God for the medicine and the, that we have that she can be healed of that and restored of that. But be careful and be, be aware and know that in church history that some people were accused of having a demon or being a witch who in fact did not. So that's happened too. So, so should we... Use wisdom and balance? Yes. Yes, by all means. But we should also trust in the one who is Lord of all and not be naive to the fact that the spirit world still exists. The scripture I read earlier, let's go back to it. This is deep. Jesus is accused of being Beelzebub. Beelzebub is, in this case, where they used here is basically just another nickname for Satan. They called him Satan. The name given Satan is found only in the New Testament in Matthew 10, Matthew 12, uh, and also now in Mark 3, this Beelzebub. And by the way, I put all of the scriptures that I'm quoting today in top of the uh, announcement sheet. So if you, you want to go back and read these, everything I mentioned today is at the very top up there in the sermon today, so you can go back and read them. It's probably the same word, Beelzebub, as the one that they used in 2 Kings 1. Beelzebub. He was the god of Ekron. Go back and read that whole chapter this afternoon. Strange about Elijah and, and, and him praying there, but the, Beelzebub was called the god of Ekron, which means Lord of Flies. So that's where I got the Lord of Flies. It can also mean the Lord of Dung. The truth is, whether that's true or not, Satan has a way of always wanting to light on something that's dead. We know the scriptures say that he comes yet to, but to kill, to steal, and to destroy. That's all he cares about. That's all he wants. 
We're told in scriptures, be careful. He goes around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So we don't need to be naive. Those scriptures are in there. Beelzebub, Lord of flies. Scribes accused Jesus of being ruler over the demons because he cast them out. Well, Jesus uses reason and logic to refute the scribes' thinking. If he were Satan, then why would he cast out Satan? Satan's business is to enslave us through sin, through possession and through death. Tyler and I were talking about this earlier in the week. Do we think that a believer is, can be possessed by a demon? I do not. I think with the Holy Spirit's present there, we can't be possessed. But we sure can be oppressed. Most of us could testify those times that we couldn't explain certain things that were going on, but we certainly felt oppressed by the enemy. And we're told that in Scripture that it's possible. Jesus goes on and was telling them that they were placing themselves in a position of defiance and hostility toward God. When we reject the opportunity to have a personal relationship with the living God, when we set our face against friendship with Jesus, is to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. In theological terms, we refer to this as the unpardonable sin. So receiving or rejecting the Holy Spirit has eternal consequences. Jesus is telling them this. And so we do not need to reject the opportunity to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We know that the scriptures tell us that the Holy Spirit, Jesus even said this, John 14, 15, and 16. Jesus said it is the Holy Spirit who will convict you of sin. It's the Holy Spirit that will call you to remembrance the things that I've told you. It's the Holy Spirit that will draw you even to know Jesus. So if you reject Him, Jesus said there's no forgiveness for this. Now if you're worried, if you're concerned, that you've committed the unpardonable sin, chances are you haven't because you're worried about it. It's the person who is totally defiant against God who doesn't give a rip that Jesus is Lord or that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. If we reject Him, that's the unforgivable sin. So today, if you're concerned, just ask Jesus to forgive you. Jesus then describes who belongs to His family. The important, the great good news is we can turn and put our trust in Jesus and enter into His circle of family. And that circle is about our eternity. To sum it up, Jesus, the one who binds the powers of darkness, is also the one who gathers us as family into the safety of his care. E, the last one, the fifth one. Luke 22. We have to keep in mind that we're in a battle here. So here are two saints of God that it seems like Jesus allowed Satan to have some authority over them, some access to them. Luke 22, verse 31. And then Jesus said, Simon, Simon, now this is one of the twelve, this is one of his disciples. He said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. And Jesus said, but I'm not going to let him. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, then strengthen your brethren. 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. We Christians don't like to read this scripture too often. It's the one where Paul had an out-of-body experience. He said, I went up to the third heaven 
whether I was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. And he begins to describe that, and that interests me, that what all he got to see. But then after that, he said, lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelation, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan. A messenger of Satan was allowed to touch this evangelist, this, this Paul. A messenger of Satan was given to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. And concerning this thing, Paul said, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, Jesus said to me, my grace is sufficient for you and my strength is made perfect in weakness. You mean Jesus allowed Satan to have access to his saints? That's what the word says. Y'all, I got all kinds of questions just like you may have too. But I know what the Bible says. And I know that we need to be aware that this is a possibility. But also be aware and be reminded who has preeminence. Who is Lord of all? And who's praying for him? Who's the one who said, my grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Why we can't fully explain that, and I can't. I just know what the Word says. But I also know that I've got Jesus praying for me. He's praying for you. We even know in Romans that the Holy Spirit makes intercession with us, with groanings that cannot be even uttered, so He intercedes for us. That is what it says. But keep in mind that permission was granted by Jesus, and don't forget that He's praying for you, and that His grace and His strength are made perfect. It is clear in Scripture that I must and you must put your trust and your life and your eternal soul in the hands of Jesus. If you have not done that, I highly recommend it. You must trust Christ in Him alone. It is clear also that you and I can belong to His family. I'm so glad I'm surrounded by brothers sisters in Christ that are part of the family of God. So, do you trust your life with the Lord of Lords or with the Lord of Flies? Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He is the one who has preeminence over all things. Trust Him. Just trust Him. He's Lord of all. Let's pray together. God, I even in trying to preach this realize it's even heavy from my mind. But God, I, I understand in Scripture that you are Lord of all and you are Lord all that all of that which is visible or invisible. So I praise you that you have preeminence above all things. And I pray that everyone here has trusted Jesus Christ. They've trusted in the precious blood of the Lamb. God, if we have not, Give people freedom right now to receive Christ. Just ask God, please forgive me, Lord. Come into my heart, my life. Holy Spirit, come in and be Lord over my life. If you need to pray that, pray it even right now. God, do the work that only you can do inside the human heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.